All right. So what were your favorite stories after having uh, read these different passages about Jesus Christ's post-mortal appearances? I, <laughs> I tell you, this study this time has been really eye-opening as far as new insights or, or new questions, I guess, to ask uh, all along the, the way, you know, because a lot of these stories are, are fairly common um, as we talk about these in Sunday school or in our church meetings, but um, I found a new layer of, of richness and <laughs> things through looking at this post-mortal lens here. But anyway, what were some of your favorite stories that, that you came across here that has new meaning or um, fun things to discuss? Well, I really liked about, um, you know, we learned about on the road to how do you say that, Emmaus, mm -hmm. how, because um, at, at Education Week, uh, our, the speaker there, or teacher there, told us because of the customs of the time that he felt like that um, those two were husband and wife rather than two men because they would they wouldn't have been uh, going home like that, you know, for the evening, unless it was a husband and wife. And uh, the one was Cleopas, and his brother was Joseph, that was married to Mary. Um, and and Mary was one of the other Marys that was at the cross, but. It, what I didn't realize is in reading further there is that um, after he left, after they knew who he was and uh, he broke the bread there and, and, and they realized, oh, and, and then as soon as he recognized them, he left. I mean, he didn't even say goodbye or anything. He just left, but they hurried back to Jerusalem where they knew that the, the apostles were hiding and and were, um, I believe that Mary, his mother, was was there as well. But anyway, he, they hurried back there to tell them about what their experience and everything, and and they stayed there. And so they were there um, when Christ visited the. 11 apostles so anyway that was kind of interesting because i didn't realize mm -hmm. that that had transpired yeah there was a lot of new nuances to that that i hadn't really considered before but yeah i found that one the most intriguing i guess that um it seems very different from a lot of his other appearances this one is um it is hidden and then as soon as they um do have eyes to see who it is then then he vanishes versus kind of the purpose of all of these different visitations is to to bear witness that he is uh, resurrected and, and and things and so that one was uh, kind of an interesting uh, 
change of pace or I don't know, uh, kind of an outlier that doesn't quite match the rest of them. So I think that there's a lot of um, meaning to be had there, some symbolism. Why do you think that their eyes were holden? And then as soon as he broke bread and blessed it, their eyes were opened. Mm -hmm. um, let's see. Let's break it. So um, on that li line there, as he sat at meat with them, he took bread, blessed it, break it, gave it to them. So I don't know. From my perspective, it sounds like he is almost um, performing a, a sacrament of, of sorts. Mm -hmm. But um, I, I wonder, it, as he's blessing it, if he is blessing it um, with that intention so that when they partake of it, they actually internalize him and, and open their eyes in um, an ordinance type of a way. And so um, would that be a similar thing for us? Um, as we are partaking of the emblems, uh, blessing the bread, breaking it, and partaking, that there is a an opening of the eyes ritual uh, kind of taking place. I, I don't know, but I, I couldn't. I couldn't help but think about how it was the partaking of the fruit of the tree in the Garden of Eden that opened the eyes of Adam and Eve. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I don't know if there's any you know, correlation or association there, but it's two different in scriptural instances where the partaking of food opens the eyes. Yeah, I love that. I'm just writing that one in to, to go and compare that this week, because I know that I, I've heard it from different uh, people and presenters and things before that there, the opening of the eyes is an actual ordinance and um, it's performed in a few different ways, but um, with food being one of them or sacrament emblems kind of a thing, and, and the other with the Lord actually anointing or, or touching of the eyes. Uh, and so now I'm, I'm really curious. I've never done that, <laughs> that word study before. So I'm gonna go do that with like the Adam and Eve compared with Emmaus. And I find it very interesting that when there's food involved with eyes opening, at least in these two, it's a couple, uh, Adam and Eve and, and the Emmaus couple. I wonder if that's, that's a pattern. I've never considered that before. There's just not enough time in a week <laughs> to do all of the deep dives. There is, and I didn't even get to the little resources in the very back. There's about uh -huh. three different articles, and I didn't, I didn't even get to those. <laughs> but I did spend a lot of time going over these scriptures. They were really interesting seeing them, you know, grouped together uh -huh. like that. I really enjoyed too how uh, or noticed how um, touch becomes a very strong way of connecting with him post-mortally not the only way but it certainly does become a big part of it mm -hmm. yeah. just taking notes there's lots of things popping up in my head to <laughs> go study yeah i was wondering too 
you know, the, the verses in John, especially, they seem to indicate that the appearance of Jesus or the resurrected Christ was somehow different or altered or mm -hmm. that somehow he was not really recognizable. And I was wondering, um, wishing that they would have amplified a little bit on why that was. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So interesting. We were talking on Sunday about um, how resurrection is so out of their context at, at that point, because mm -hmm. I mean, it is just unfamiliar or anything. And so um, to, to be confronted with it for the very first time and, and have your eyes open to even that possibility, let alone the actual appearance of, of the savior. Um, I, I've just been pondering on that since Sunday going, huh? You know, because here with all of the scriptures that we have and the upbringing that we uh, learn, you know, that's just kind of second nature, the resurrection. And, and we know that, that it's a possibility versus um, these disciples experiencing it for the very first time and just being <laughs> absolutely doing a 180 uh, with, with logic and um, mm -hmm. uh, with their, their practice of faith. Yeah. He had told them, you know, before mm -hmm. he went through that, that that was going to happen, but it, it was just more than they could really you know, contemplate and mm -hmm. I find it interesting with all of these um, accounts here that they all have a, a, a distinct nuance to them where um, some are believing, some are not, uh, some are uh, recognizing them right off the bat, some are not. Um, some are able to, to touch and feel, some are to partake. Like there's all these different categories that are presenting themselves. And my thought as I was reading through them was, I wonder if these are types or shadows for the end time appearances of Jesus Christ. If we individually fall into one of these categories um, and if we as a people also can fall into to these categories. Yeah, interesting. I did think that it was a type of something, and I wondered, I didn't go where you did. That's very interesting. I wondered if it was simply the diverse ways that people will sort of come to him, recognize him, and believe in him. Mm -hmm. It's always a unique, you know, uh, personal journey. Yeah. But I did think that Mary was outstanding in her recognition of him because she knew him by his voice. And it seems like she comprehended him mm -hmm. um, more readily. And then he told her to go tell the others as if to prepare them, as if their minds needed to be more prepared. And so she did go to the disciples and tell them what that he what had happened that she that he was there with her that he mm -hmm. had been resurrected, and I think that that must have been to help prepare them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Many have called her kind of a thirteenth disciple. 
uh, during that time. So there was, there's many key elements and uh, parts that she plays in the post-resurrection church. It's very interesting. So there's one phrase that uh, kind of threw me <laughs> that I, it just seems like there's more to it. Uh, so on the bottom of page 32, um, this is John chapter 21, 3 through 4, 12 through 14, that last scripture there. So um, this is Peter um, uh, on the ship, I mean, some of the apostles as well. But Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples knew not that it was Jesus. And Jesus saith unto them, Come and dine. And none of the disciples durst ask him, Who art thou? And so, I don't know, that was just an interesting phrase to, to throw in there. It, it just kind of seemed a little, I don't know, not out of place, but um, just seemingly contradictory or whatever. So I think that that's an interesting way to present the apostles in that light there. And none of the disciples durst ask him, who art thou? Knowing that it was the Lord. Jesus then cometh, taketh bread and giveth them and fish likewise. Now is, this is now the third time that Jesus showed himself to his disciples after that he was risen from the dead. <clears throat> so why do you think that they durst not ask him, who art thou? Because isn't that the, the whole purpose <clears throat> of him being there for them to, to recognize and um, to be comfortable in his presence? I don't know. <laughs> it just seemed kind of interesting to me. Um, maybe. Did the... Maybe the, the who art thou, maybe that was them being troubled in their minds about not fully recognizing him in his full mission mm -hmm. i wonder if that is them ask wondering pondering in their minds but not wanting to say so who art thou now that the he's resurrected this is such a reality it's such a bold undeniable reality they might be rethinking everything that they learned from him and going over everything in their minds to try to comprehend this event that's so beyond uh, maybe what they had even been able to to uh, take in yeah maybe it was like hey man where'd you get that you know when, when did you pull that out of the hat you know I mean like your dad does something you're like whoa I didn't know you had that skill or that at that attribute so I, I Oh, it, it could be any number of things. I'd like to have been there, but I guess we will. <laughs> but yeah, it, it's just so interesting because right before it says, but the disciples knew not that it was Jesus. But then when he says, come and dine, then nobody dares ask or durst ask, knowing that it was the Lord. Yeah, it contradicts. I went to another scriptural source today and I can't remember which and read this uh, story in another part of the scriptures uh -huh. and it gave a little bit more detail it that he had set up coals and had bread and had fish 
that he had prepared for them, again, food for them to eat and partake of. Um, but for me, maybe I'm just, you know, sticking to my own little version here. I think it's them asking for a real, a real confirmation of what they already suspect. Who are thou? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Sometimes, like I, I do love when they summarize it, but at the same time, when <laughs> when they do, sometimes I forget. And so, like as we look, it's verses three through four, and then it skips all of the verses up until twelve. And so, there's a whole story in between there right maybe that was what i did was we just went back and reread all of john today i can't remember what i was reading but i got i felt like we got such little snippets that i felt like i wanted to read more uh-huh yeah exactly <laughs> like, i'm just reading some of this like uh, the fire and the burning coals and he asked them which side of the the boat they were fishing on right etc i mean there's there's a lot to that story it's kind of hard just to take this little snippet, but also with that snippet, it kind of helped point the chiastic structure there, like just right on top of each other. They knew not, but then they do know that it was the mm -hmm. Lord. And so yeah. whatever happens in the, the interim is is a catalyst for, for knowing. Cool. Yeah, that's a very interesting one. And it does take some more time and look at those context verses in there. So what can we learn from the different reactions? I'm just picking out these questions that are uh, listed in the workbook. What can we learn from the different reactions of those who saw the resurrected Christ? Because I mean, they're very, they're varied and um, there's different little interesting points to it, but what can we learn from the different accounts that there, there are? Why are there so many? <laughs> I didn't totally realize that he had uh, manifested himself to so many people like over in Corinthians there's a group of 500 all at once I <laughs> I must have been sleeping in Sunday school me either. too <laughs> <laughs> I didn't realize that one me too yeah and that was really interesting too because it talked about how some of them had fallen asleep mm -hmm. well and I think that you hit the nail on the head the answer to that question is what you said earlier about everybody being kind of in different places and you know but it's mm -hmm. it's maybe um a lightning of how it's going to be for us you know to one is going to be you know one of a family type deal or mm -hmm. one of a neighborhood whatever yeah you know i'm always amazed at how differently people can react to the same thing mm -hmm. in life even if it's something yeah as wonderful as a talk in general conference where you really feel the spirit and other people wanna walk away. I yeah. mean, I am continually shocked at the human ability to, to, to not experience things the same way. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like <laughs> case in point, that it's the first thing that comes to my mind when you say it is uh, Wendy Nelson's talk at that Lethbridge conference, right? <laughs> Mm -hmm. So many people that I've talked to are like, whoa. And um, anytime that I shared it with anybody, they were like, yeah, and? And, yeah. 
what? <laughs> that, that was an amazing talk of like um, urgency, I guess. I, it, I don't was. Um, it was. I mean, I've had the same thing happen. I'll share something with my son that I think is just so important. And he just goes, yeah. So it's like, well. <laughs> All right. That wasn't the reaction I was hoping for. <laughs> for that. <clears throat> it's very interesting, isn't it? Uh, you know, and another case in point, uh, like with our uh, our study groups here, um, when we started diving into to lectures on faith, I don't know. I, I was trying to uh, impress the the significance of it, even though that I didn't know full well what all was going to uh, come of it. But I was like, this is important. And, and it was interesting how throughout the whole time we, we had people just kind of trailing off and, you know, we, we ended up with just a, a select few that finished it out the whole way. Um, but for me, it was like tra transformational that the lectures fundamentally changed how I approached everything now. And um, anyway, it, it it's just interesting. We can all be in the same place at the same time, doing the same things. And um, depending upon um, what we're putting into it and and what, um, I don't know, I do think it is a lot of what we put into it. Um, it's that it's also that everybody's path to God is so different. Yeah. You know, you may both get there at the same time, but you went different paths to get there. It's very unique. And mm -hmm. he works with this so individually. Yeah, exactly. Um, <clears throat> what was the other question that I was? Oh, this other one. So when Christ appears to his people, what seems to be his purpose among them? I think that that's such an interesting question to plug into each one of these experiences, because sometimes it's just to an individual, sometimes it's to a small group, sometimes it's to a large group. Does his purpose always remain the same or is it different? And and how do we pick that out of these different stories? So I might be off track, but I see each one of these as a step to a culmination of his charge to Peter, mm -hmm. which is then feed my sheep, then feed my sheep, feed my lambs. I think that it's a solidifying their belief so that it becomes very uh, experiential. They've seen him, they've felt him, they've ate with him. Um, ministering to them and preparing each one of them as his special witnesses because it says in the scriptures if i'm not mistaken a few times that he did not show himself to the world he only showed himself to us to those that he chose to show himself to and um so to me it, it feels like it's it's preparing them for his ministry to bring forth his continue to bring forth his purposes. Mm -hmm. Now the book of Mormon account is a 
a, there's a little bit more, not only does he come and allow them to experience him and then they go off to tell others and those that hear from them will believe secondhand, they're the firsthand witnesses, but he also healed all their sick and he blessed the little children. So, um, what did you think, Cameron? Um, I don't know. I have lots of questions. <laughs> so, when when we're talking about all of these um, post resurrection appearances. It, it makes me wonder, was there a, a cutoff date for that um, where, okay, well, I, I've got it in my planner. I've got two weeks here where I can just go and, and, and show myself in a resurrected format to, to these certain people. And then after that, there's a cutoff because we sure act like it today, don't we? Like, Ew. oh, that, that only happens to them. You know, that was, that was just special to his first coming and, and yeah. But I have to wonder, with second comforter type experiences, are I guess my first question is, are these second comforter experiences? And if they are, then what is to prevent us from from experiencing the same today? Right. I didn't get. Start? I didn't get that. I got that 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 is the same. That what happened then is the same continues on today. So I didn't get that it's we've ended it or stopped it. Mm -hmm. when I went through this. In fact, some of the notes I took was that, and so as it was in the meridian of time, even is it now in the latter days, that those who are ordained to his ministry may see him with spiritual eyes. But the verses also promise that every soul not just the chosen disciples or those who are ordained to his ministry may see his face and hear his voice. Mm -hmm. yeah. Well, it's because he's born with the light of Christ, I would think. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I'm just. Yeah, I think so. For but sure. I think that you, you're on to something there. It could be the second comforter. I mean, we know. He... Anyway, I think that's good. Mm -hmm. And so. Um... I, don't, I think my overall take from all of these was what's his purpose among them? It's it's kind of like a culmination of everything that he is. It's to advocate, it's to comfort, it's to, to bring joy and, and peace and hope. Love, and things. yeah. And wow. so um, as he's coming to him, I, I just think, look at all of these people and all of these different accounts and we fit into those accounts. Like we, we need to read ourselves into these mm -hmm. stories. And what is his purpose amongst us when he does come to us? What's uh, his purpose to us personally? That's a good one, Cameron. Yeah. And, and just okay. contemplating the, the grandeur of that and, and not just dismissing it kind of like, oh, well, someday, but actively preparing for it because he was trying to prepare each one of these groups of people with prophecies, with with him personally telling them like, hey, this is what's going to happen. He wouldn't have manifested himself to any of these had they not been worthy and prepared for it. Amen. So, uh, they merited it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, as we likewise 
can do the same, we can fulfill these patterns as well. And so I think that was my overall takeaway of his purpose is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Oh, like, I see his that. It's, it's the, um, the nudge that, uh, another nudge that we may see his face, mm -hmm. which is so much about what Joseph Smith's restoration teachings were about. Yeah. So for you, Cameron, as you read through these, what you were getting was that these were second comforter experiences. Yeah, which was not something that I had previously considered, mm -hmm. but I was looking at it and going, why wouldn't they be? I mean, a, a resurrected savior is coming to them and showing uh, his marks, uh, comforting them and uh, right. expounding scriptures and things. It's like, that's exactly what we define second comforter experiences as. Right. Why would right. it be different? We had in our fast and testimony meeting this Sunday, someone testify of having that experience. Really? It was, you know, a reminder that the heavens continue to be open. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And putting ourselves in that, that context and preparing for it. When we put it into our the possibility into our reality is a possibility it changes the what like you said you yeah. know the lectures of faith changed you just making that part of your awareness in your field of you know possible experience is it changes everything yeah yeah exactly um i think wasn't it kathy that that brought this up in, in group a it's interesting how many people are fearful or um scared or um startled by the appearance like how many times is he saying fear not or yeah. you know, almost every angel that's ever appeared to anybody those are the first words out of their mouth uh-huh i mean almost just the angelic visitations they always say fear not <laughs> <laughs> yeah. i love that <laughs> It's just so interesting to me that um, with all of these experiences of the Savior, because they had to be uh, ready and worthy and um, at a certain point in their discipleship to receive him, yet there's still <laughs> a comforting aspect to it that, that he's coming going, hey, <laughs> sorry, startled you there or <laughs> whatever it looks like. But uh, it just kind of means like a little bit of a human element to it. If he would just appear, you know, it's not like he was walking through the door. He would suddenly just be there with them. Uh huh. There could be a startling aspect to that. Oh, that. And isn't that interesting in our own things? Because I, I would definitely describe some of these as being a, uh, in kind of two different categories. Some are like a light switch and some of them are like the, the sun rising. You know, it's a very gradual light process where they kind of receive him by degrees, but yet it, it, it is very interesting. Um, the ones that are like a light switch, it, it's, it's almost a shock to the system of, oh. <laughs> right, I think John really got it because mm -hmm. when I was reading the account of he and Peter, it made me laugh because John ran ahead and mm -hmm. stood outside the tomb looking in and Peter caught him up and then just dashed right inside. And I thought that was really funny. Yeah. And, but it said this one little 
two-liner and about John, or they don't say John, but the, the one that Jesus loved, and he believed. Mm -hmm. So just in that one moment, he believed. Yeah. And that one little word could really be saying a lot. Yeah, exactly. Just and, <laughs> a lot of power and, in that one word. And then, and then to just to follow up on the other thing you were talking about, Cameron, there was one scriptural account that I read that said that when he appeared in the room where they had shut themselves up because they were afraid of the Jews, they, they thought he was a ghost. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that like begs the question, had they seen many ghosts or <laughs> like, <laughs> is that something familiar? Because I, they're, they're at least coming to, to that kind of a conclusion. And so what does that mean for them? Um, let's see, what's one, I had highlighted that one specifically, where was it? I thought I did anyway, <laughs> maybe I hadn't. But they thought that it was a, a spirit, right? Oh, um, that Luke 24, it's on the very first page. Um, okay. But they were terrified, frightened, and supposed that they had seen a spirit. Oh, where is that? Which one is that? Uh -huh. So Luke 24, 36 through 40. Okay, all right. That's where I read that. Okay. Yeah, and he said unto them, Why are you troubled, and why do thoughts arise in your hearts? Like, so spirit, I mean, they must have been thinking that it was an evil spirit, because why would you be, if, if that's where your mind first went, that, oh, it's a spirit, why would you be scared or troubled or frightened by a good spirit? And so um, they were terrified in that circumstance. And he uh, asked them, why would you let that arise in your hearts? As I was, uh, uh -huh, go for it. I'm just going to say, they're, ha they're in hiding because yeah. <laughs> the Jews are after them. And uh, so, you know, you're a little jittery anyway. Yeah. <laughs> I think and I was just kind of adding to their. <laughs> yeah. Everything is suddenly their whole known world has been so shook and yeah. so rocked. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's interesting. I was um, closing up the, the church yesterday after FHE. And um, I, when I got out to my car, it was like snow and kind of uh, dark blistery night or whatever, but I noticed that um, some lights were still on in the building. So I went back in uh, to go shut them off. And so I'm walking down two different really dark hallways and stuff. And it was kind of, I don't know, but all of a sudden I'm like, uh, let me walk a little bit faster. It's kind of a little bit creepy, but, but this exact phrase popped into my head. Why are you troubled? Why do you, why do thoughts arise in your hearts? And I was like, exactly. I'm in, a chapel and we just had like a very uplifting chat for for family home evening etc like why on earth am i defaulting to the, the ways of the world going oh it's kind of creepy <laughs> like i think we're all trained that way right yeah we're just we're, we're when we're on edge or a little bit jittery like these um, mm -hmm. disciples were here but but actively preparing our minds and always having a prayer in our hearts would help mitigate situations like that and not let us 
get distracted or, or thrown off base kind of a thing, but. Right, anyway. I gave myself a little similar lecture and let myself know that I would be a lot better off if I would simply practice instead of being in my head and my thoughts, just what do I see? What do I hear? What do I feel? In other words, be more in my body, inhabiting it, being in the present moment and not wandering off, but being here. Yeah. I think it's it, it helps us actually exercise our agency better because instead of being triggered into something else, you know, that cascade, you know, when a thought can trigger something, mm -hmm. you know, that would be the way to be able to have a choice and say, do I really want to be triggered by this? By simply being more aware. Yeah. I think there's a lot of power in that, isn't there? So if you were to rank these or, or categorize them in, in a way, which post-mortal appearances show the greatest manifestation of, of Christ's power? I know that's, that's kind of a hard one to chew on, but like if you could categorize them or rank them, which one shows the the greatest manifestation of his power. Well, I have one thought and I'm going to ask you to expand upon it. <laughs> <laughs> I was wondering about Saul. Mm -hmm. Because wasn't that an experience where he was changed in the moment? Because he really hadn't been a disciple, but he got called to become one. Mm -hmm. what do you think about that one yeah a, a miraculous um about face kind of a thing so interesting that he's so zealous for the law for for torah for um the the fathers in the past the patriarchs of old and you know he would <laughs> just squarely on on the wrong side of one issue of messiah and so as soon as he does manifest, then it's like, a, oh, well, okay, then <laughs> he still maintains the same zeal and, and amplifies it throughout the rest of his life. But um, with a correct focus, he's able to, to just change everything and, mm -hmm. and how quickly that, that happens. I think that that's so amazing. It's almost like an Alma the Younger, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Yeah. It, it's really important that we get to know him you know he you know he tells them there in one of the scriptures you never knew me you know um or i never knew you but it was you know they never knew him but how important that is are, are we even going to be able to recognize him when he comes again those are profound questions, darling. And, and I've so, been feeling those, but not saying those. <laughs> well, I I've decided I I really do want to know him in this mortal. I've so that I do know him, and I want to be taught by him, so that I can, I don't want to be in danger of not recognizing him when he does come. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
He's, it I seems, love that, darling. Yeah. It seems that he does want to be known. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <clears throat> well, to the power question, I think um, in Acts 10, 40 on page 33, Acts 10, 40 through 41, God raised him up the third day and showed him him openly so i think that that's the big power is him giving laying it down and picking it up isn't it Mm -hmm. pretty good power pretty good power we might have already covered that but yeah because i mean that's amazing it's a a huge manifestation of his power Mm -hmm. And, you know, one of the things about the the Paul conversion that I hadn't considered before was that um, then spake the Lord to Paul in the night by a vision, which I don't know why I never, had he already been, because um, it was when he was on the road to Damascus. And so this is afterwards, right? And um, giving him additional dreams and visions and, and things I, which i i don't know I, I missed that part of the story but how crucial that is it wasn't just a one and done type of a thing you know with all of these different uh, examples um sometimes we just go oh and it was a miraculous thing he came and then left but to to many of these you know with the americas he comes back with paul he comes back that he is is visiting them in their their training it's not like we have to it's not some huge cram session where okay we only have five minutes with the savior and we've got to make the most of it but that he is manifesting this power over and over again um, in the lives of the believers um so not to like totally take us off on a totally different tangent, but hopefully it was, <laughs> it kind of ties in here, but just in, in a general context, what are the greatest manifestations of God or a Christ, specifically Christ's power that we have written about in scriptures? What are his most miraculous things that he's been able to, to do and, and we have record of? What, what comes to mind? I'm building a a list starting tonight. <laughs> well, I think um, I'm not going to say anything on that you can add to your list, but I think that this is a very interesting quest, considering President Nelson telling us that we are going to be seeing some of the most powerful manifestations of Christ on Earth moving forward. Mm-hmm. Yeah, everything in the past is is basically going to pale in comparison to right. um, what's in the future. And so, I, I mean, that has been blown my mind ever since, um, well, I, it should have been blown my mind ever since President Nelson said it, but it, <laughs> it was really Wendy's um, re-utterance of it that it was like, oh man, do I really believe that? Like, it, it's just going to intensify and and grow the greatest manifestations of Christ's power we have yet to see. And, and they're coming, they're right now. 
we're, mm-hmm. we're about to be living them. And so I, you know, showing himself openly, I think is probably one of the, the biggest ones. We have right. individuals, we have groups, um, many of his different teaching moments, um, the transfiguration, mm-hmm. I think is a, is a huge one. Um, just his, his miracles, uh, the, the also the type the type of his um coming back resurrected which was the raising of the dead mm-hmm. yeah raising the dead Kena, um i had something else that i was going to put on that list but i forgot what it was <laughs> just the fact that he can uh, hold back his glory that people don't see it you know oh yeah because that's something yeah <laughs> wow I hadn't thought of that you know speaking of the casting out isn't that the very first power that he gives to his apostles mm-hmm. yeah i think that that is something to ponder for sure and <laughs> I mean, it doesn't seem like we have any connection to that. What? Longer. Yeah, like everybody that I've talked to about anything like that, they're like, oh, no, that, that happened back then. That doesn't happen now. Exactly. And kind of a thing. Like, and, and I'm just going, hmm, if, if God's the same, if Satan's the same, we've, or, we're in the same battle, why would it be any different today than it was back then? Uh, yeah. The New Testament is like how big? I mean, it's tiny compared to the rest of the scriptures that we have. And the majority of it is Christ or his apostles casting out and, and helping cleanse people of sins, iniquities, and, and generational defects. Right. That was so much, so foundational to what he did on earth. Yeah. And so why would it be any different for, for today? Yeah. Well, we're taught in the temple how to do that. Right. Yes, we are. But I don't know that anybody ever talks about it. No. <laughs> but uh, also, President Nelson mentioned it in conference. Was it the April conference? About casting out? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did I miss something? It's in one of these talks. I, can you remember which one it was? Can it wasn't you? from this one. Um, April? Yeah, I think it either was April, April or the October before. But um, in the temple, we learn how to do this, how to part the veil, how to cast out. Okay. Well, yes, I'm ma'am. almost there. I'm going through all of his uh, conference since he was... Um, since 2018, I'm going through moving from 2018 forward through all of his conference talks. So I'll mm-hmm. get there. Yeah. Let's see. What other things are there? Raising the dead. Uh, again, we've seen that a lot in the pioneer era, but we rarely talk about that that's a, a thing nowadays. And mm-hmm. I think that we'll see that in greater and greater measure. Yeah, when I look, when I think about what he said, I think it's just 
um, what just keeps coming to my mind is how important it is for us to maintain our personal purity mm -hmm. and to do whatever it we can to to invite the spirit and refrain from anything that drives the spirit away. Turning tables, what's the overthrowing tables? Money changers. <laughs> I had some weird <laughs> turning tables. Isn't that just like waiting tables? Where you was going with that? I wasn't getting this. And we were waiting to see what. Well, let me actually just. I was with the camera and I was right on. I knew what you thought. Yeah. <laughs> when I'm on the fly, now you guys see how weird my brain goes sometimes. <laughs> you speak my talk. <laughs> yeah. And I love the his ministering to the one. I think we'll see that. Oh, I love that. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, I'm going to keep this ongoing list with all of our, our book clubs. Anytime that you have a, a great manifestation of power that comes to mind, send it to me and, and we'll be adding it to the list because I, I just want to, I don't know, I feel like for some reason we have this ceiling uh on his power or his miracles or the things that we are yet to experience and so there might be a ceiling on ourselves mm -hmm. you know yeah of what we you know like oh that could have happened to them but how could it happen to me yeah so i'll be able to see those things in the coming days i one of our very first book club attendees, uh, Cheyenne, uh, she started a group, um, I forget, is it Normalize? I think it's called Normalizing Miracles. Um, and she just invites people to come on her Zoom and uh, just share miracles that they're experiencing so that they are more commonplace, so that we hear them more frequently mm -hmm. and so that we can not just hear them every once in a while but i mean that they are normal because every day is a miracle and to have um an increased testimony of those um in the lives of all uh here yeah, on Earth because yeah. we're so caught up in the the world and all of the the craziness that's happening all the time but yeah, it, we as, limit ourselves yeah as Satan's increasing, so is is Christ, and and we will be able to to rely upon those miracles. And that President Nelson's telling us to seek and expect miracles. Yeah. So we need to bring that more into our vernacular, as you just. I know. To. I try to do it all the time. Sometimes people are like, "Oh," and sometimes people are like, "That doesn't happen." And I'm like, all right, well, it, it does, but <laughs> if, if miracle is um, a surprising event, it's not necessarily a wonderful thing, is it? There can be bad miracles, can't there? Or, or uh, uncomfortable miracles, I should say. Mm -hmm. Yeah, as we're we're learning and growing, and I think sometimes <laughs> we can 
look back and say, whoa, that was a miracle. I got through that. <laughs> yep, exactly. Uh, even perseverance is, is a miracle. And yeah. Things. yeah, breath, even the breath of life. I think maybe even keeping a journal like Cameron, you're keeping your list of the experiences that we know that the Savior has shepherded us through. Those are our miracles. Yeah, that should be our in your personal, favor. our personal miracles. Yep. You know, it he's so loving and and oh it's like you know, with all the temple work that's done, and <clears throat> he allows us to be proxy saviors to go do this work. And he, when we get on the sunset servant level, he, he allows us to do Davidic covenants for people. I mean, he could do all this himself, you know? Sure. But he's he's teaching us and allowing us to experience these things, and it's like he's teaching us how to be gods ourselves. I think. Mm -hmm. I know one time I think it was this group, or was it in Sunday school? I can't remember now. We were talking about people who are, um, you know, are born with disabilities, and I thought afterwards, I think all of us. <laughs> disabilities it's like the lord is working with all these dis these spiritually disabled people trying to teach us to take the next step so yeah yeah it's amazing things but yeah so for our next time um so next week we'll be looking at uh chapter six which is the ascension of jesus christ um and was it next week just a second there was one time that there's going to be a hiccup let's see so that one's fine oh it's um avraham's q a is going to be um december 6th so um that night actually the five o'clock won't be affected um so we'll still have our normal five o'clock but the 8 p.m one on that day um we'll just cancel that one and only have the two book clubs that week maybe oh yeah 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 you're right i noticed that too thank you cameron it seems like there was another one but it's not for a while so we'll get that one when it comes I'm trying to keep up on all the changes and little things that are sneaking in there. So, um, but yeah, that won't affect this five o'clock one. Um, so yeah, any questions or, or final comments before we close out for the night? I, I tell you, I just love going through these, these topical guides studies i'm going through and and marking them in a specific new set of of scriptures and um just mm. loving to to look at the context around all of these and getting new questions and new ideas uh, pumping and flowing and coming together and sharing it i actually do love um 
this new schedule that we're doing because uh, instead of just visiting it once, I get to visit it three different times and, and have three different experiences with with each section, um, <laughs> kind of like we've, we've had before. But um, anyway, it's just so fun to to really dive in and get to know the Savior on a much deeper level. Well, you start to see him everywhere, don't you? I mean, and people and, oh, no, it's amazing. We're so well blessed. Yeah, for sure. It's amazing that we have the technology that we do to be able to study the way that we do. I'm uh, so grateful for that, Cameron. In order to, to amplify that out and so that we can spend a lot of time ministering and, and putting these things into practice. And I'm like so said, grateful. Because, you know, living alone and studying alone, this is just, just been a delight. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Being able to look up words in different dictionaries, at the drop of a hat, and I have to <laughs> <laughs> study for hours on end just to get a little drop. Mm -hmm. Just the, the flow of learning coming. It's been so yes. fun. It's been a blessing. All right, well, it has been excellent this evening. I'm so excited to uh, study this one and, and next week with the Ascension with y'all. But anyway, uh, if there's nothing else, we'll go ahead and call it for the night. <laughs> Thank right. you. Good night, everyone. Good night, everyone. Good night. Good night, night.